We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Most valuable player, Giannis Antetokounmpo. Giannis trailing the lob. Oh. Giannis Antetokounmpo. Two seconds. Middleton. Yes! Chris Middleton. Nice jumper. Got it. Giannis Antetokounmpo. Hey there. Welcome to the Eurostep Podcast Network, Bucks Hawks Eastern Conference Finals. Game three post game with the Bucks winning. 113-102. I'm joined by Adam McGee of the Win and Six podcast and Rohan Kadi of the Eurostep podcast. I am Ty Windish of the Eurostep podcast here to break down an interesting win. I don't know if compelling is the right word, but a great win for Chris Middleton, true believers. Adam, Rohan, how's it going? It's going great. Yeah, it's, I'm doing well. We talked a little bit before we started recording. Adam, you said this was never in doubt for you, and I sort of felt the same way. This is where I wanted to go right away. I think we need to go to Chris Chris next, but I first want to just talk about the, the idea of this game and how we all felt throughout it. I was not as confident as Adam and Rohan. I did not think Bucks all the way watching this game uh, Milwaukee starts off down what, like eighteen to four or something, and they came back after that. It wasn't that point that had me. It was twenty to eight at one point. If mm-hmm. Twenty to eight. Um, again, that wasn't the point. I, I hadn't given up at that point. I did feel like the Bucks could make a run, and they did, and they got back in the game, and it was a close game. But when they were down, I want to say seven ish. When Trey Young was out, Trey Young rolls his ankle, leaves the game, ends up checking back into the game with the Hawks having like a seven or so point lead. That really concerned me. It just felt like one made three or something from him, and this thing could be all but over. That's not what happened. The Bucks battled back. Chris Middleton carried them back. But I want to hear from you guys why you felt more confident throughout the game than I did because I was pretty concerned uh, in that, I think it was that early fourth quarter, some Chris Middleton turnovers, and uh, the vibes just weren't great for me. I was confident because the Bucks were doing what they should have been doing and what they needed to be doing, and Atlanta was just doing their thing, and at the end of the day, that means Milwaukee is going to come out on top. We talked about this on the post-game two pod a lot about how the Atlanta Hawks have zero zero answer for anything Milwaukee has to do inside 
basically inside the three-point arc, realistically. The Bucks were just out-muscling Atlanta. They were getting into the restricted area with no real hindrance, and they were just making their shots because they're higher percentage shots. Like Atlanta got off to a hot start like we already talked about. They were hitting their threes. Everyone was getting involved. But Milwaukee just kept pushing and pushing it. It just felt like a game where it would all even out at some point because that sort of level of play from Atlanta was unsustainable. And that proved to be unsustainable even in the first quarter, considering that Milwaukee still managed to tie it up at the end of the half. And even at the end of the first quarter, I believe it was like a two or three point game. So you just want to say like, it'll all come together. That's what Milwaukee's mindset was. That's why I was confident because they kept sticking to what they were good at and they executed their game plan against Atlanta for the most part. The Hawks have zero experience of this. This is something that's come up quite a few times. So what have you got for a game like this? You've got, okay, book starts slow. Hawks get something going. The crowd are into it. You've got, okay, their first games in a conference finals at home. It's about, you know, just not beating yourself. (laughs) So not falling over. It's about not panicking. And you say all this and you wonder why I wasn't supremely confident in the Bucks with those as the stakes. Look at the the game. Look at the game after the first, say, six minutes. They were just, they were always there. They were always there. Like seven points was never going to be something that just seemed like completely out of reach. The other thing for as well as the Hawks were shooting the ball in spurts, like they finished the game at 102 points and they were never really tearing away with the scoring. It was always there and the books were staying kind of right where they needed to be to be in the game. And I mean, it it now seems like hindsight, but I think from early in the game, I felt good because Chris was playing well. I thought Giannis was phenomenal. I think that will probably get lost a little bit because this is now the Chris game, but I really thought Giannis was great. He's just continuing the best run of basketball of his career, like when it matters to be delivering the way he is, is, is truly special. But the books just were there. I thought they played pretty well after the early kind of, I guess, a very rude wake-up call that they got. They were they were exactly where they needed to be, and they were in the game. Now, it doesn't it doesn't necessarily mean that they couldn't have lost this game, but to me, there was inevitability about the run coming. And once they got some stops in that fourth quarter, it was I, there was two possessions in a row where, where PJ Tucker made particularly big defensive plays. I'm like, okay, this is it, this is it. And then Chris just went supernova, and it, it takes to a different level. But just you know, being there, just literally being there, being in position, and then showing the ability to take care of business. That's not the books that we've watched over and over again through the years this is a books team that is now significantly more kind of battle tested battle hardened and have come through this against the nets i think this game really it spoke volumes about they got what they needed to beyond advancing from that series for them to really go and kick on the playoffs i agree with the nets take entirely i do think you could feel that at times throughout this game where like atlanta threw its absolute best possible punch to start this game and the Bucks did. They just, I mean, they fought right back pretty much immediately. After those f- couple minutes, they would have been down two at the end of the first quarter, but we get the worst, the nastiest possession of the postseason where he tries to get Brooke to run out last second to cover Bogdan Bogdanovich, who makes one of his 
two makes out of 10 attempted threes to end the half and the quarter, excuse me, but still a good sign. The other reason I wasn't confident late is we had some ugly bucks offense, some pretty rough ISO ball uh, before the, the Chris supernova started that I was a little worried about, but they started to work the ball a little bit better. And also like Chris just started to make every shot and that, that helps even if the selection isn't necessarily the greatest, but we did get a couple of possessions in a row with Giannis going right at Anyeka Akangu and Hawks help defenders really getting in there and, and swarming him and, and playing good defense. But like I said, I was wrong. Clearly it didn't matter. I do want to talk about Giannis. I have so much I want to talk about, like specific things in this game. I think we have to go to Chris here, right? Like I agree with you, Adam, it's getting torn up on Twitter after a couple bad turnovers. And they were bad. And I saw you asked, I think, at one point on Twitter, Rohan, why doesn't Chris get the recognition for being a much better passer? Worst timing of a tweet ever, by the way. Because <laughs> really after, after I tweeted that, he started having some of his worst yeah. turnovers as a passer that I've seen in a while. So I stopped I stopped tweeting about good things Milwaukee was doing <laughs> in case I, I was the jinx. I, I've learned to only tweet during, like, stoppage of play one because i'm always behind and two just because like i feel like there's a little bit of a safety buffer in there but the reason is because he is a much better passer but he's still a questionable decision maker i think jackson frank kept pointing this out like you can tell sometimes he's made up the decision of what he wants to do before a particular action so like the one to brooke lopez where the rim was wide open and two guys were on brooke lopez and he goes to shovel it to brooke lopez anyway it's like Clearly was anticipating the help to not be at Brook Lopez, but it was. You just can't do that. But all that said, I thought throughout the game he was hitting shots. I thought he was playing well. He had a couple of boneheaded decisions for turnovers, but I never thought that was going to spoil his whole game. He was consistently one of the best two bucks, and he became the best buck outright in that fourth quarter. Supernova is a good way to put it, hitting every single shot with Drew playing the way he played offensively and with the mm-hmm. bad start for Chris in this series, this was just necessary. And after game six against Brooklyn, it's so cool to see Chris have another one of these games. I don't even have that much analysis. Like he's still an inconsistent player. There's still going to be games where you shake your head up apparently, but it almost all feels worth it when you get one of these. I think, I think it's overstating it to say he's inconsistent to that extent. I, I don't even think he is as bad a decision maker as much as he's still learning what he's doing. Like this is not just remember that Chris Middleton, the books got as a throw in a trade with the Pistons. Like this is not the guy he was really ever supposed to be. If you look at the evolution of his game, like it's, it's really, really extreme just for what he was supposed to be, what he was good at even early on in his books career to now what he is. It's the kind of development you don't see very often with an NBA player. So he has become a much better passer. He has tightened up his handle significantly. Does he have bad turnovers that are attributable to both of those things? Pretty regularly still. Yes, but not in a way that's going to kill you. Like it's very rare that Chris's turnover totals are are high and problematic. He he has a couple of really ugly ones a game, but doesn't matter how ugly the turnover is. It's if you're keeping it in the kind of two to four range at the kind of usage that he's playing with, you can live with it, particularly if it's going to come with him being aggressive with his shot. Now that hasn't always been the case, but like this is just this has got to be the thing he remembers for the rest of his career. You know, it's got to be the games like this, that it's, he can get hot in a hurry. And when he gets hot, 
there's no reason to stop shooting. I mean, I know he had 51 points against the Wizards in the regular season game before, but this is undoubtedly the greatest game of Chris Middleton's career. Stepping up like this on the road in the conference finals game when you really need it, you know, for as much as it was there for the books to win, someone had to go get it. Chris went and got it. And who knows, a few days from now, the team could be in the finals. You know, that's that's a big, big deal. A big achievement for Chris and talk about showing up when your team needs you. Not only like Adam, you said this is the best game of his career. It's one of just the best games in general, in general. Uh, here's a fun stat uh, courtesy of ESPN stats and info. Chris Middleton, I'm I'm do are you happy, Adam? I'm doing his stats during the podcast. Great. Not during the outro. Uh, <laughs> Chris Middleton is the first Bucks player with 20 points in a fourth quarter of a playoff game over the last 25 postseasons. He's also the only Buck with 20 points uh in a playoff quarter over the last 25 postseasons in general, and he's done it twice. It's just him. I'm gonna guess that's down to whatever quarter by quarter data they have box score data but I, i'm sure kareem did it once or twice but i don't think there's another book in the history also, for fourth quarter even yeah yeah it was 25 yeah, I, years ago that would be a weird cutoff right no, it'd, there, have to, it'd have to be the 80s if it wasn't a one it's i mean possible that marcus could have done it that sid could have done it but yeah, unlikely. 25 Honestly, points you know in who a it would have been? If someone in the 80s did it, probably would have been Terry Cummings if anyone in the 80s did it. That's but, possible too. Um, doesn't really matter right now. Shouts to all those players who were great. Um, but let's talk about the current great Bucks some more. I did think just nice to see the Chris Middleton shot making go ballistic again. We haven't gotten it too much this postseason. I'll probably argue and say game six versus Brooklyn was his greatest moment uh, as a Buck, but I think this is certainly up there. Uh, I just think the stakes were even higher in that game, even though it was around earlier. I still think the Bucks could have come back and won the series if they had I lost. I mean, that this was game. that was an elimination game, right? Exactly, um, but not really anything worth quibbling over. The other side of it, though, what I mentioned coming in to this part is Drew Holiday, where the twelve assists are nice. You know, this is a defense that I think Adam could probably get to at least the painted area against and, and whip a pass out. Like there's not really any wow, resistance. What? 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 Why me? I don't know. What is it? I mean, I guess thanks. I, you? I guess yeah. thanks. Um, <laughs> it is an NBA defense, maybe not the best. The, the real thing with this defense is just that they haven't watched how any team has ever defended Giannis, which is incredible. They seem to be the only group of people that watch the NBA in the world who don't know how to defend Giannis, who don't know how to send help coming out of the spin. They like, got there very late in the game. Very they're late. Just, they but don't, they don't too have late, the really. To the it. game's won if they're doing it earlier. It's They don't have the personnel for it, but I, they could still be smarter. You know, They could still be a lot smarter. Ty, you want to invoke your favorite Steve Nash quote? They're not defensively inclined. Listen, you know what's funny, though? I, I noticed... You know, I saw some comments about Bogdanovich looking a little more spry in this game. He's terrible offensively. His steals is a real thing, though, and I think we are starting. I think he had three in this game. That's starting to come back a little bit as he feels better. And he was one of the people who was able to get in there on Giannis's spin and and steal the ball away. That's going to be interesting to watch that develop. Hopefully, the adjustment is to bounce the other way where he's not, because there's not really anybody else out there in help defense who's going to actually, you know, help. 
But Drew Holiday, uh, before I got distracted by invoking Adam's ability to break down NBA defenses, just can't be two for 11 in a game where, as we've discussed, one of us has a shot to get to the painted area. Like, you just can't. You just can't do that. Like, these clunker performances, and I know he was great in games one and two, and that's terrific, but, like, you could be four for 11 and not look just incapable of making a shot like Drew did in this game. And it's a lot different than the game that he had tonight. Like, again, the assists are great. It's really cool. Wasn't, I don't know. I just, I didn't like this game. He ends with two steals and two blocks. So he had four stocks, but it's just concerning that he and Chris continued to kind of trade off. Like, and I know Chris wasn't nearly as bad in game two, but like, can, can all three of them play really well in one game this postseason? One well, it's, game? It's really simple. They can beat the Hawks with two of three on their game on any given night. Yeah, that's good. They cannot beat the team that will come next without at least four games where you get all three firing. And if you get all three firing, the books could be NBA champions. I don't know. I don't know. I think they can. I think they beat anybody if all three are firing. I think they beat every single any single team in the league if all three are firing. That's yeah. that's what I'm saying. But uh, if you only get the two, I think well, likely. I mean, <laughs> if the books get to the finals, I don't think there's a massive amount of suspense at the moment. It looks very likely that it will be the Phoenix Suns. And I don't know. I don't know. I know you love to play these kind of games, Rohan. Uh, it it did work last run. time. Yeah. It did work <laughs> last time. The books are, in fact, not playing the Philadelphia 76ers. Uh, I, I cannot see that series getting to seven games. The Clippers winning three straight. Is that what you're calling? Do you want to go out on a limb? I'm, I'm just saying it's not over till it's over. <laughs> and th- these Clippers are really weird, just in general. They're just weird. So I wouldn't count them out of anything. Yeah, honestly. (laughs) All they've beat are frauds, though. Um, Yeah, do we have any more analysis, or does Drew just need to be better? Because I didn't think he was – he didn't take a ton of threes. He only took three. I didn't think any of them were terrible shots. He was penetrating and getting to the – He was getting getting good looks. It's just like sometimes you just got to make them, you know? Yeah. Like, Like Chris Middleton in the first half, we could make an analogy to that. He was getting his normal looks. He just wasn't putting them down. And then all of a sudden it just sort of regressed and he was, you know, making the shots he's capable of making. We just have to hope for that for Drew Holiday, I guess, because we've seen the last two games in this series that he's more than capable of putting up stellar offensive performances in this series. He just, I don't know, just needs to get the shots to fall. Just sometimes. do it. Yeah. I, I don't want us to just kind of yada yada his 12 assists because I think he had some good, yeah. some really good passes in there, particularly passes inside, like in tight quarters, just kind of reading where, okay, I can drop this pass behind the Hawks defender, there's Giannis at the rim, or, you know, just passes for easy dunks. Obviously, Brooke had a couple of really emphatic dunks that came off of just nice, simple feeds as well. My biggest concern with Drew, though, to pinpoint it was the possession where Kevin Herter locked them down, and not just that element of it, but actually the terrible pass he gave to Pat out of that, he, like, he got panicked by Kevin Herter's defense, at the end of a shock, like he and couldn't even Hawks just give a very block king Kevin Herter. He couldn't even just deliver a really simple pass to Pat. And you know, Pat's Pat's coming up with some good plays again. If you make a simple pass to Pat and he's got an open tree, I can't believe I'm saying this, but it kind of feels like he might make the shot more often than not right now. 
So that either that, airballs it or it's the biggest shot in the biggest moment, and there's no in between. I have a take, and I don't even know if I'm open for debate right now. If the Bucks do win it all, Pat Connaughton's numbers should be in the rafters. I, I think there's this a lot series? of numbers going in the rafters. If, Fine, if the Bucks cool. This this there's a lot of numbers in the rafters already. Uh, this postseason, uh, he's been great. He's been great. He's been invaluable. He's the team's six man. They, they lose a, in the second round easily if he's not around. Easily. I see. No I see your your face, Rohan. And Rohan, go look up the. Don't think you're entirely wrong. No, go look up the Portland Trailblazers list of retired numbers. Yeah, like they literally crazy, did like man. twelve guys, <laughs> one title each. Um, listen, six six, six man on a on a title winning team, okay. and he's but, been with the team a couple of years. He's under contract. I mean, let's win the championship yes. first. Let's let's talk about this. But, I just said if I didn't say they would do it. I just I'm there. It's right a wild. Now. It's a wild thing. Right but I'm, I don't, I'm I don't not going to have this right now because I don't want to be negative right now. <laughs> That's just where I'm at. See, I, you know what the thing is with this Drew game is you look at That's the That's going to make Twitter headlines. Let is, it. Yeah. Let it. I'll defend that take all day. I'll do it. Uh, maybe on this. No, I don't want to. We'll get into I it. I can't wait to time. see. I, I'm going to be glued to Twitter. Watch it tell you. Just, you know, defend the case for Pat Connaughton's jersey to retire. I think it's a simple case. I don't think there's that much that goes into it. I, you look at the I rest of this. there's a lot that goes into it, but okay. It, does it matter? Did I hang it from like the rafters of a nearby housing development? <laughs> That's he's legend in, <laughs> legend in two games. Like two jerseys retired. Legend in two games. As long as they got Frank Winners and Bob Lanier up there, they can make room for Pat if he's the sixth man on the title team. That's all I'm saying. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Frank Winters. The disrespect. This oh, is Brian, Brian Winters. Winters. Brian Come Winters. on. My bad. I'm not I'm not having this. I'm not a huge fan. Regardless. But yeah. Pat, he was incredible. Not a huge fan. No, 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 no. I want to finish the in the rafters. Okay, let's get back to the holiday thought. Yeah, you look at the rest of this box score, and I don't think you would be that alarmed at this game in a vacuum. Like, okay, he didn't he didn't make his shots, but twelve assists, one turnover, contributed at least not somewhat on defense. Not the defense on Trey Young. A lot of us probably hoped for, but I think a lot of people are box score watching and highlights watching when they say that because. The Hawks are fighting really hard to not get Trey isolated against Drew Holiday on these possessions. But this is the seventh game this postseason where Drew has shot below 40% from the field, which is not ideal. He has scored 20 or more points four times. This is now the second game he scored less than 10 points. And again, he isn't necessarily just supposed to score a ton of points. He's probably meant to be the leading assist man and the third leading scorer on the team, but you just can't have your third best player putting up less than 40% from the field and not scoring that often. It is an issue. This Bucks run is wild because I feel like there's so many things that have happened that before the games we would say, well, if these things happen, there's just no way. They continue to win, which I think the story of this Bucks team is just like they're resilient as all hell and they just keep surviving, which – is the number one skill in winning a championship is just keep making it to the next round until there's no opponent left. It is, it, it is an issue though. Like he's just going to have to be better. They can win this series. I agree, Adam, if he's not, but eventually he's going to have to be better at scoring the ball. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. 
Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You know, if I would have applied myself, I could have gone to the NBA. You think so? Yeah, I think so. But it's just like, it's been done. You know, I didn't want to, I was like, <laughs> I don't want to be a follower. Hi, I'm Jason Concepcion. And I'm Shea Serrano. And we are back. We have a new podcast from Wondery. It's called Six Trophies. Woo! And it's the f-ing best. Each week, Shea Serrano and I are combing through all the NBA storylines, finding the best, most interesting, most compelling stories, and then handing out six pop culture themed trophies for six basketball related activities. Trophies like the Dom- Dominic Toretto, I live my life a quarter mile at a time trophy, which is given to someone who made a short-term decision with no regard for future consequence. Or the Christopher Nolan Tenet trophy, which is given to someone who did something that we didn't understand. Catalina Wine Mixer trophy. Ooh, the Lauren Hill, you might win some, but you just lost one trophy. And what's more, the NBA playoffs are here, so you want to make Six Trophies your go-to companion podcast through all the craziness. Follow Six Trophies on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. Listen ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. They're more cockroaches than dogs, right? PJ might have might have got that wrong. Could you imagine if he just ripped out cockroaches as an analogy off the <laughs> bat, though? I actually could. I could imagine PJ Tucker <laughs> bringing that one out. Nobody would question him. Um, we should talk about Pat and Bobby Portis. Um, we should talk about Giannis. We're doing it again. <laughs> I thought in this game it was actually fair to talk about the role players first. But we sure. I mean, Giannis we could do that, but let's just make sure we don't. Like, we'll do talk that. about Giannis. We'll talk about Giannis. I thought Pat and Portis kind of saved the game. Mostly Portis, but Pat mm-hmm. was also really, really good, especially late. Uh, Bobby Portis' first half, though. I don't have the numbers in front of me, but just like a, a game-saving first half. I almost said series. This wasn't that serious. But a game-saving first half. Just brought it on defense, made some impact plays, forced turnovers, switching and trapping. He can live out there against this team. Dropping not so much, so they stopped dropping him, and it worked. Uh, ends with 15 points, seven for 12 from the field, four rebounds, one assist, two steals, plus 17. He was a first half game high plus minus. Pat took the crown as he often does. Just a really good Bobby Portis game. And I'm, I'm not even here to brag, Adam. I'm not even here to to have a victory lap. I'm glad Listen, it turned everyone out. Everyone has way. already like I know. I'm sure added me. And yeah. it's like I don't care. I don't care how much you all love Bobby Portis. Like oh, it's great. Everyone loves Bobby Portis. That's fine. I'm, I'm here. You'll see the books hopefully win. <laughs> no, I won't. I mean, I watched like the books all access thing. He's a very likable guy. I've never so disputed likable. that. It's just it is like edge of the seat roller coaster stuff to watch him on defense, and I still think everyone is just happy to. We're like, yeah, you know, he can switch. He can, yeah, he can switch. But it is terrifying to watch some of those possessions in that first half were. We'll just say not ideal, but the outcome was great. And at this moment in time, it's the conference finals. 
not too many more wins needed, you know, for this whole thing. So we are very much outcome oriented. So I, I do think though, just to steal a point that you made with Chris's turnovers, mm-hmm. if like two or three of Portis's defensive possessions are spectacular, spectacularly bad and the rest are just like mediocre, that might not actually be as bad as it seems given what, sure. if, when he's on on offense, what he can give you on the other end. I, I just think you've got to be careful. careful. I agree. I agree. Like, with that. I think the Hawks could have worked him over more in that first half, particularly with how it started. He had, I think it was his first two defensive possessions in a row were bad. One of them, which as we talked about probably involves him running away, yeah. which was not ideal. Like, but I do think a guard like Trey Young or, you know, a guard like Chris Paul or a Devin Booker, if it gets to that, these are the kind of players. <laughs> Oh, Pat Beverly. If only we can get to see Pat Beverly. That would be a lot of fun. Um, but I, I think a guard like that can could really punish Bobby Ware in a hurry. That is, again, that's what I said last. I'm not going to do this too often because everyone hates it. I'm just alone on this. But that's my concern is that the game where it kills you, it's going to happen so fast and it's going to just hurt you in the worst possible way because it is... Oh, it's living on the edge of a cliff every time he's out there. Now, I will say, great work offensively, doing most of the right things. You know, end of quarter possessions, not ideal. He was involved in two of those, which I was just like, that's four points, Bobby. That's four points that could really matter here. Thankfully, they didn't. But particularly, we talked about Drew and Drew not getting it going. He might have helped if he got a simple, you know, pass ahead of Doug, but Bobby Bobby Portis off four seconds on that clock. He was at half court and he went, Bobby's gonna go, you know? <laughs> Drew was like Drew was like ten feet in front of him. No no one in his path. And Bobby's like, yeah, it's Bobby Portis time. And you know, for most of this game, to his credit, it was in fact Bobby Portis time. This was the Bobby Portis game until it was the Chris Middleton game. It really was. He helped save them in that first quarter. He immediately comes in, puts up six points in a hurry, and stabilizes them after things were starting to go a little bit awry. They kept doing what they needed to do, which is what I led this podcast talking about. And Bobby Portis was a big part of that. He's capable of being a bench scorer. Look at how well a guy like Gallinari has thrived in Atlanta. Bobby Portis can be that kind of guy. Adam, you're looking at I'm me. sorry. No. Gallinari was like a star. He was borderline was. star. Yeah. Was. Bobby Portis is not and was not a star. Well, like, it doesn't matter. At this point, it's, in taking it, it's taking it too far. He could be like Gallo now, maybe, but I even think that's, that's, that's what I'm saying. No, but I think that's a stretch. Should they get Mello then? Because Mello was a star. What mellow? What are we talking about? I'm, I'm talking about it doesn't matter. Was yeah, I'm losing my mind. I don't, I don't care what Bobby Gallo Portis was. could be. Bobby Portis. Current I don't Bobby think he Portis wants to be anyone be current else. Gallinari. He can play that role and be that guy. Sure, I I don't believe that. But for well, just for the sake of argument, sure. I think they're different players. I'm not saying he can't have something kind of, you know, comparable in terms of his offensive impact. I'm not yeah, looking I'm to saying. just pick arguments on everything, but uh, Gallo, like we obviously, we don't spend a whole lot of time talking about Hawks players. Gallo's been really good in this series and he's 
I like what he's turned into. If he wants to, you know, sign for another team in the next year or two, I'm perfectly cool with that. But yeah, that's just Bobby Portis is Bobby Portis. He has the same deficiencies as Bobby Portis, though. Yeah, but just but part of it is Bobby's energy and athleticism, which are things that are just Gallo doesn't have, and they're crucial to the good Bobby Portis experience. Is the way that he can just he can mix it up and do something else. Like I actually do think Gallo is slightly slightly unflattering for Bobby, considering some of the things he can do, and then very flattering in other ways. Let's talk about Pat Connaughton, the guy who yeah, let's, let's, put, let's, put Gallo in chains a couple times in this series. Bobby was great. I just want to say it. Nobody started tweeting at me. Bobby was great. I hope you're all happy. I'm happy. Bobby was great. Are you, Adam? Yes. Adam's not one of those Bucks. Give Bobby finals fans. MVP if they get there. I just I just want the Bucks to win. Adam's not one of those Bucks fans yes. will, will root against a player to such an extent that it ruins a victory for them. I won't root against any player to any extent. They're all great. Fair. Um, Pat Connaughton, 32 minutes. I'm like Cheryl Crow now. <laughs> <laughs> uh, don't root against her either. Or Jordan Trusky's going to have something to say. But 32 minutes, by far the most of any bench player, more than the rest of the bench players combined, more than Brooke Lopez in this game. Two for three from the field, one for two from deep, eight rebounds, four offensive, one assist, one block, plus 25. Maybe the quintessential 2020-21 Pat Connaughton game, like the perfect example of what he is now, which is like a very low-volume scorer who will do everything else as well as he can and makes enough threes even on low volume, which is not easy to do despite what a lot of people think. Um, A lot of people would pick a game where he's like four or five from deep, but I think this is like the Pat game. I think it's exactly what they need. Like he is a player who helps funnel offense to the really good players which is helpful. You do need some spark, some punch off the bench. I think Portis provided it, but I thought Pat was great. I thought defensively he held up pretty well. The rebounding though was really what stuck out to me. Just like that lost them game one when they went small. I want to get into Capella not closing. I have a lot of thoughts on that for Atlanta side, but I thought Pat seemed like was on a mission to not get out rebounded in this game. Uh, One thing with, about the praise for Bobby and the praise for Pat is I think all of this ties into the fact Bryn Forbes is completely and utterly unplayable. Yeah, it's bad. It's really he bad. He is terrible. Like, let's get him all the way out of here. I didn't so, know the second stretch, which I can't believe he only logged seven minutes. It felt like 70, but the second stretch of minutes he was in there, I was like, I don't get why. I put in risk Chris in foul trouble, put in PJ Tucker, anything but this. He looked kind of flustered. I don't know if either you felt this. You know the way, like for so much of his time this season and even earlier in the playoffs, like the Heat series being the greatest example. Obviously, we talk about just uh, he's not a good defender, but he's game. He'd compete. He'd get himself down in stance, and he kind of bother guys. He just was not even able to do that. He just looked completely flustered, and maybe part of that is just the sheer terror he has that he might end up having to guard Trey Young for multiple positions, possessions even. Um, but yeah, it's that's a problem, and with that, that's even greater credit than goes to Bobby, goes to Pat because everything they do is desperately needed. And I mean, that play where Bucks turn it over and Pat ends up basically defending it, uh, 
one on four, like a fast break. And should have, and the Bucks should have gotten possession. It was another, they should have one of five one of, thousand, one of like 10 of those. Yeah. And the Hawks lost out in some of those too. Just bad officiating, yeah, really bad coming. officiating. This can't fly between the officiating and the commentary. Someone has got to put Marv out of his misery. Giannis for three. It's Trey Young pulling up against Brooke Lopez. That's absolutely last crazy. Game was his last game. Why did they present him with the Larry O'Brien trophy, which I've got questions about that. It's like, what? Is this real or is this some dream they're trying to convince him of? Oh, it's the Larry O'Brien trophy. You can go now. I just don't know. But this was... Marv and Reggie is it's, just It's unhinged. It's unhinged. It's He's awful. just saying words. I also get Reggie I, Miller off my television. I don't mind making fun of Marv at this point because he also doesn't seem like a good person based off some of the yeah. off broadcast the history. Stuff. Is not great. Usually, I would hesitate a bit. Obviously, his situation, he's been doing this for a very, very, very long time. But, but it's also just gone too far. How, yeah, I mean, how on a game to game basis are TNT being like, yeah, you know, let's roll him out for one more? He's going to finish up the end of the series. It's like, no, like, just get roll- Kevin Harlan in here. Ryan Anderson. Yeah, anyone. Anyone at MLB. Who cares? It's a regular yeah. season. You can Kevin put Harlan Harlan up is there. great. Like MLB so. color commentary is just a podcast. Doesn't really matter. <laughs> you just keep saying stuff for long enough and then it's over. Anyway, when Pat stopped that fast break, that was the moment Beautiful. that I said, you know what? Raise that jersey to the rafters. There it is. People keep coming to this conclusion, Rohan. Kids years from now, they're gonna be staring up. They're gonna be like that. Who's Pat Connaughton? And a tie will just appear. And he'll be like, I'll tell you who Let Pat me tell Connaughton you. is. Let me tell you the good and the bad, kid. I can't see Rowan. He's literally disappeared from the screen. This is what happens. I slid out of my chair for dramatic effect. Um, <laughs> this will be a fun off-season pod, for sure. Uh, I'll say that. But yeah, there's, it's, there's no denying that he was absolutely incredible. Absolutely incredible and has been during this playoff run. I really want to have this now, but I won't. <laughs> yeah, he he came up in every massive moment. And Ty, you pointed out perfectly, his rebounding is what really set the tone. Obviously, that block on Bogdanovich on that fast break was incredible. Incredible. But his rebounding was also just game-changing for Milwaukee. I'm glad you brought the point that they really lost game one because of the rebounding. Pat fixed that almost essentially on his own. Because even say, though they could go to like a small-ish lineup, they did not lose any rebound. They got assisted there by an Atlanta decision I want to get into. But the other pat play that stuck out from this game was when he defended Trey around half court and got him to dribble out of bounds. And I think it was probably off Pat's foot, quite honestly. But No, the way, that one was actually off Trey. It was, okay. was off Trey, yeah. yeah. The way that Pat walked away from that, like clapping with that evil grin, I like – screaming like subprime mortgages or something like what a moment like i just feel like the team was just so fired up by that like seeing pat Connaughton lock up trey young is just an all-time great feeling all right i want to do my capella thing because this is one where everyone replied to me on twitter go acapella huh go acapella nice yeah um (laughs) everyone replied to me on twitter like this is an obvious thing and i'm just wrong but why did clint capella not close this game like Plus 11, game high for Atlanta. Had 11 rebounds in 28 minutes, including six offensive, two assists, one steal, one block. I know 0 for 4 from free throw. I know a liability from that. I get it. He, he might be the worst free throw shooter in the history of basketball. 
great. Those those attempts tonight. They were bad. Oh my god. They are like I think we need to start a dialogue. You know, people are writing articles about free throws, left, right, <laughs> center. Can we write about it? Like, does Clint Capella take the ugliest free throws? Don't man. I was just blown away. That fourth miss, that one that which was the point I tweeted that Brooke needs to start, you know, ducking for cover on Clint Capella free throws. Pulling out Horford. Yeah, well, Brooke has Brooke has pulled that out himself. Yeah. It's one of one of his favorites too. But uh, this is the time because I think like it might break Capella. He I, he might he seems very fragile at the line. I don't think he's got the Holianos thing. I've missed eight in a row. I've you know I have been to Oklahoma, Oklahoma City. You know <laughs> what a great video. But here, okay, sure, that's two shooting possessions. And I, I correct me if I'm wrong. I don't think we've seen the Budenholzer Bucks hack anybody ever. I can't remember it. If it was, it was a random regular season game. I don't remember ever seeing it. There's a chance that They're he too ends up doctrinarian to ever do that. Doc is are who? They're hootinarian. They're too doctrinarian to do that. Doc. Oh, just like not like the word doctrinarian. The word, not doctor. <laughs> oh, I thought it was a Doc Rivers thing. Um, gotcha. I was like so confused. I was like, what does Bud have to do with Doc? And he's just making fun of him. But I can't okay. think of many times where they've been in a position though against the team. One, they've missed the teams with terrible free throw shooters, maybe yeah, that's the that part many. because they are the team yeah, with the terrible the free throw shooter. But they haven't played the Sixers. Yeah. Like I, I actually can't think of too many moments. Like it's not like when they played the Pistons. Yeah, they didn't. Drummond didn't Andre. give them. So I, it hasn't really come up. But the Bucks game. have not forced the issue yet, ever, or in this particular series. They haven't done it. He he got fouled twice. They were just fouls. I would make the Bucks hack him before I would take him out. Like I thought, game one, and the Bucks did rebound better. It's a lot easier to rebound well when it's John Collins and Danilo Gallinari versus Clint Capella and John Collins. And Clint Capella consistently throughout this series when he's out there has been a problem on the boards. And I thought it was so easy for the Bucks to play that smaller lineup without him out there because you're suddenly you're just not going to lose the rebounding battle convincingly. They gave up one bad offensive board and that was it. And they won very easily. And we're going to have a whole Brooke Lopez going smaller what discussion I'm sure in a minute here. But if I'm Nate McMillan, I make the Bucks go out of their way to foul Capella before I just pull him. Like maybe it's a confidence thing. I don't know what, but in two bad possessions, they still win his minutes by 11, even with him making none of those four free throws. I thought it changed the game. Like I thought the Hawks defense is never good, even with him on. But like the number in the regular season, Giannis literally didn't miss in the restricted area when Capella was off and he shot 80% with him on. Like you're still shooting 80%. But there's some resistance. Like he's the one guy. Okongu was did well in his four minutes or whatever. But I think that's that's part of the thing too, though. Is Okongu had a good spell that I think Nate McMillan overreacted to. But they didn't close with him, did they? Right? No, they closed with Collins and Gallo. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Yeah. All I can remember is Chris, honestly, from the end of the game. Yeah, they. I'm, I'm almost like honestly, they close with uh, Collins and Gallinari, if I believe. Yeah, they they close with zero. I mean, it, I would have gotten it more if they went with Okongu. Honestly, like, I I just I don't know. I I get. I think they just wanted to go full offense. I guess. Yeah, I, I think. It. I think the reasoning behind that is we're we can't defend to save our lives anyway. So might as well just fully go offense, and that's I. 
I don't know if it's the worst decision in the world. I think it's a terrible. I think it's awful because it's a very bad decision. Because Capella's offense is rebounding. Yeah, I get the I get the reasoning, but his his offense is rebounding. I mean, it's lobs too, but. I thought it helped a lot. I thought it really enabled. I mean, Chris being Chris playing the way Chris played, it probably doesn't matter in this particular game. But I do hope in game four, Capella doesn't get as much run and doesn't close because I think it makes it very easy for the Bucks. If they switch everything and they're not going to get out rebounded, Atlanta has no answer. And that's like that was very clear to me in both of those fourth quarters. The Hawks were not scoring in the half court when the Bucks went Giannis at five. They just weren't. They weren't getting anything consistently. They cleaned up the glass a bit. That's how they won game one. They did nothing. I mean, they scored 17 points in the fourth quarter. They have nothing when the Bucks switch everything. I mean, Giannis is owning John Collins oh, completely yeah. as well. It's so. not even close. It's, no, it's, it's not. It's, 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 it's not the worst effort that anyone maybe has put up against them in the playoffs. Hey, but he's, like he's, he's not strong, players. though. He's not, he ain't that strong. Oh, yeah, that was funny. Um, Giannis needs to like show up to a post game press conference wearing a t shirt with like his 20 like plays over John Collins. It could just be like tiled, you know. I was gonna different, say, could, different plays be, over him. Yeah, it's like a portrait of Liam, but you look closely and it's all the times Giannis <laughs> scored over John Collins in the series. Yeah, I like it. Uh, or it's it's just a portrait of John Collins, so he's like, oh, he's wearing a John Collins, it's just kind of him, but really, um, I, I was surprised that he. I know he ended up in foul trouble, but I was like looking up in the second quarter and being like, how is he not fouled out yet? Yeah. Because Giannis was just, he just driving <laughs> through him like so effortlessly. Yeah, that's and John Collins, like very entertaining player and he could do a lot of good stuff. He talks a lot. He talks a lot and he is getting owned in this series. It's, and it's fun when it's justified, like him dunking on Embiid and wearing that shirt. That was fun. Because they actually won. When it's the on the Sixers, it's fun. <laughs> oh, that's true. That's true. When it's on the Sixers, it's fun. But John Collins talks. He doesn't even have like a highlight dunk or anything. He's done nothing positive. He shoots sure, open mid rangers pretty much. Is yeah, like he, his he's, role in the series. He's gotten his scoring going, but he's letting baskets in at a higher rate than he's scoring. Like, what are you flexing? Like, oh, I'm super bad defensively. Like, but that that is this. That is the team generally, and. I I feel like I should dislike it a lot more than I currently do. Now maybe that could change if they were to like win game four and game five. I'm sure I'd hate it in a hurry. But like Trey is really overdoing it. He's really overdoing it with the shimmies all the time. One, it's not very smart, you know. You don't want to do it every game. You want when you do it that it's iconic, not that oh look he's shimmying again and again and again. And he's not the first guy. I know. Uh, but even there, there's a play where like it's fouled on the baseline. And he's just he's, like counting. The, the exactly, he's he's doing the the refs count, and it's all of that. It's like that. Sure, it can help the home crowd get into it. It also it's just a bit much, and it looks pretty stupid in a hurry. And I, it we know for a fact it doesn't go unnoticed. There was the footage of Giannis like in the huddle. Being like, you know, you know, the shimmy in game one. Like uh, the books have had conversations about that. And if you're the Hawks, just go play your game and try to win. And you know, if things break your way, maybe you can. Don't give extra motivation to the team that's better than you. Like, and that's the reality here. They may not realize it yet. They're probably, you know, edging ever closer game by game. Books are just better than them. And if you're giving added motivation, I don't think that's very smart. But it's fun. Trey Young is very oh, it's, fun. Oh, it's definitely fun. Most like, of Trey Young is fun. I just like him to be, yeah, well, yes, obviously. yes, 
you know, I'm not I'm not a psychopath. I mean, I'm not saying I enjoy him like jumping into the uh, players. I, I hope the rule is actually changed. And the I, rule I, will be by, changed. By that yeah, I mean I changed. hope they change the rule and I hope the officiating actually reflects it. I have my doubts for some of these players that it will. We'll see. I am very much hoping so. Like the one he got on Chris. Or was it on Giannis? He got, he got two on Chris. It was on Chris for sure, but he got two and he got one on Chris in the last game. Or like too. he clearly had stopped before his shooting area. And Sorry, he, just, he got one on Giannis in like the first quarter as well. Yeah. Hmm. And they I, counted it as a non-shooting foul because yeah, it's like yeah, it was okay, so the Giannis one after was the shot. Yeah. I just hate it, man. Like I imagine going to a pickup run and doing that. Like it just looks stupid. It's not basketball. Oh, you, People you say it's part of the game. No, it's yeah, not. Yeah, it's not but, part of the game that anyone else plays except for these guys in the NBA. That's it. Roland, Roland's made the point there that I have thought about. And it's like, you know, at some point, someone is going to come and just take Trey Young's head clean off his shoulders. You know, somebody yeah. is going to do it. Uh, maybe be careful. PJ Tucker, he's on the other team. Tanasis does come in yep. for 10 seconds <laughs> every now Tenassus and then. Tanasis is the guy. Yeah. You know, there's, at some point, someone is really going to deal with Tenassus that. is going to do it on accident, trying to go for a block yeah, that, on one of those. That's the thing. Um, you leave yourself I, open with the foiling. There's something I was thinking about, and maybe I've missed this. You've just kind of sparked it in my head. So, you know, like books players, Giannis in particular, we don't see a whole lot of love coming from other players around the NBA when he does good stuff. I think there's various reasons for this. One thing that it does stick in my memory is eh, him and Tanasis, Tanasis in particular, but Giannis was sticking up for him, made a lot of enemies at the FIBA World Cup last year. Do you remember this for the Team USA game? So that's one thing. But just for it too, like, why why is like a dweeb like CJ McCollum, right? Why <laughs> why is he not coming out and being like, you know, this is the kind of performance that people love. This is honestly, it's I think the best John version is the only of what CJ McCollum player that's tweeted well good things yeah, about. Yeah, absolutely. I can, and even just generally, John Morant and Rudy Gobert are they the only players who've you go bears and a stuff. lot of other international players have done it. I just I I, I want to where's like where's the love for Chris? Chris is an Olympian. He was on that team with those guys. Where's the love for Chris? I mean, if we're talking dweebs here, like CJ's not making the Olympic team, so I don't think they're on the <laughs> yeah, same level. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> no worries on that. But I mean, just I I don't why why does everyone hate the Bucks? I don't know, but I almost like it. I don't have a problem with it. I just I'm not, I'm curious as to what this is because it doesn't really make here. sense. It, it almost Everyone reinforces the the Milwaukee versus everybody thing, right? Like not even the other guys in the league are particularly motivated to see the Bucks or particularly eager to see the Bucks win. It's like you know what? Good for all the people who are like I missed the game when it was the '90s and Jordan and. Bird hated each other. Everyone hates the Bucks, so I guess just root for the Bucks because you kind of get that at least a little bit. Um, I want to talk. I'm checking Draymond's. Sorry, I'm checking Draymond's Twitter here. Like, was he quiet tonight? Was he was he talking about how Giannis could be used better in a very no, not funny. subtle? Funny, he seems to be quiet tonight. No, no tweets from Draymond. You know, it is interesting how that works. Um, oh, Kevin Durant as well. Kevin Durant has said really good things about Giannis. That's true. Yeah, Kevin Durant doesn't. 
for all the Kevin Durant stuff, he doesn't really care that much about the narratives. Like he actually, <laughs> everybody, he knows what the narratives are around him too, and he knows how other people at the league might feel about him. So he's like, cool. Uh, yeah. Other people don't like Giannis. Okay. People don't like me either. I like Giannis, and he has always liked Giannis to his credit. Yep. He yep. was first on that, and he's continued to champion him all along. Brooke Lopez versus Bobby Portis in this game. So we talked about, or you guys especially talked about after game one, it being a mistake to go small and go away from Brooke Lopez. We love that they featured him more in game two. I don't know if it was a mistake to go away. From, I mean, clearly it worked at the end of the day. So you can say it wasn't a, an outright mistake. Um, I do think they still should find ways to utilize him better. I want to hear mm-hmm. from you guys on what you thought about his defensive performance I thought he, I mean, obviously looked less effective, still is not really rebounding the ball very much. And I know his, his role is to box out a lot. He still needs to be rebounding a bit better, in my opinion, but not an effectual game from Brooke Lopez, minus 17, and it felt like it. He was good on offense, four for six, four for five from two, oh for one from deep, but just felt like Atlanta was very comfortable attacking him, and the Bucks did not do much to give him cover in this game. He couldn't contain. He couldn't contain as well as he did in game two. And I thought it was actually smart of Bud to just go away from that because it's like you can't just continue to let them kill you in ways that Brooke Lopez has his deficiencies. He just, I don't know what, I don't know what it was. He, he didn't seem like he was showing as high as he was, but it felt like Trey Young was also playing a lot faster this game than he was in previous games, which I think. I think that's a that's a nice counter to showing higher. It's like okay, I just got to beat you right away then. And yeah, Trey, he's Trey Young coming is around fast. screens he super is, fast. He's really fast. Yeah, like my goodness. Uh, so Brook Lopez, he can't he can't do anything about that. Like he he's a fine player. He has his like strengths. He has his weaknesses. Obviously, like any player, but there's just nothing he can do about that. And the Bucks thankfully have the personnel to at least mitigate that problem a little bit. So that's what they had to do. I don't think he was that bad. Like I think there's a possibility that if they needed to, and they hadn't gone another way, he could have come in and made big plays. And particularly with Capella out of the game late on with the way the Hawks went, although maybe you know one of those things feeds the other. Most likely. Although Nate McMillan, you never know. Nate McMillan is capable of making some pretty interesting choices of his own as it comes to rotations. But I, I thought Brooke had his moments again where he's making impact and he had moments where he was largely ineffectual and he was kind of finding himself out on an island and not being able to do very much about it. I mean, the the approach from the last two games overall is the right approach, which is just don't have a set approach to this, you know, take everything into account, see what you've got. Like if, if it wasn't working, you put Bobby in, well, then Bobby comes out and you get Brooke back in because I think on balance you know which is going to be the better thing for you more of the time but it worked bobby played well you you found something by going small in this game so it's the right decision to move away from it i just the key thing for bud and last two two games he's done that is be flexible on it be flexible on it read the game i think that's just something that we'd all like to see generally a lot more of with rotation decisions take into account what the situation is game to game don't just be like this is our guy. This are, is our option because there will be times where Brooke is absolutely the right call over Bobby. And there will also be times where it's, it's right to go the other way around. Well, this was the call. Eventually it was Pat, right? I mean, doesn't sure. the closing lineup was, and that's the, those are really the three options, right? Like you can and go very big. He, he should have done that earlier because yeah. in that first quarter, 
which I th- you mentioned the plus minus, like I think Brooke got caught on the floor for longer than most in the first quarter. And he played in one of the weirdest books lineups I can think of this season, which was <laughs> PJ Tucker, Bobby Portis and Brooke Lopez in the front court. And I was like, why is Pat on the bench? Why yeah. is Pat on the bench? Is this Forbes is the lineup too. Uh, Forbes on. This was Giannis. I don't know if anyone. Giannis looked like he pulled up hurt at that particular time. He'd got his two quick fouls, and he came up and he looked a little hurt. I was going, okay, it'd be great if the commentators were, you know, <laughs> speaking coherently and were paying attention to to you know pass some remark on this, maybe follow up. But Giannis kind of went off, looking a little kind of gingerly, went to the bench. And yeah, instead of bringing Pat in when you had PJ and Brooke out there already. Yeah, I think that's the way it was. I think that's when Bobby came in, in the first quarter. I know they did Bobby Brooke for sure. And PJ's out there for some of those minutes. um, That's just wild. Just absolutely wild. Bud, you are a crazy man. (laughs) Um, But I I like that they have the three options though, basically. I mean, the four guys are pretty much always going to be... We're at a point now in the postseason with injuries and the shortened rotation where Drew, Chris, Giannis, PJ, pretty much by default is going to be mostly your closing five. PJ the closest to not being out there, obviously, but he pretty much just is at this point, unless there's foul trouble. You can, if you, if you can play Lopez, just go big, go big on defense, go big on the boards, everything else. You can go for Portis. If you're going to go pure offense, we don't see that much at the very end of games because of the other end. And then there's Pat. If you just want a super switchable, very small four shooters around Giannis, that's it. And if Pat continues to keep rebounding and Giannis, I thought rebounded better. I thought Chris was a good re Chris had 11 boards in this game. Chris and Giannis both did. Um, that's big as well. I think that lineup still has probably the most two way potential. If it's against a team like Atlanta, who has a player like Trey young, who can make it difficult for Brooke Lopez. I like the observation about the speed around the screens. I do think it was more methodical in game one and two. Trey young was more prodding, waiting for the lob. In this game, he was just like going. And it is very hard if you're seven foot one, 7,000 pounds, Brooke Lopez, to, to keep up with him. Um, I, one thing I noted that I thought was interesting is the Bucks seem to send less help that like than they did in game two, which worked in game two. I do think that was kind of because in the first half, their defense just got put in a blender and they gave up so many wide open corner and elbow threes that I wonder if the idea was, I mean, everyone was talking about stay home. So it's just Trey and the teammates don't get involved. I almost wonder if it was like, stay home. So you don't get absolutely lost. And we give up an old wide open catch and shoot three instead of a somewhat contested two. Yeah. I mean, I think there's a couple of things that are interesting in that regard. And one is <laughs> the books are generally being put in positions where they're not the most comfortable because the Hawks are just, really good at screening like i think you've got to give a lot of credit when you look at how trey has been playing it just gets kind of unremarked upon john collins and clint capella as a screening duo are really elite like they're top tier i watched them i'm like this is what i've just desperately wanted the books to be as screeners for years imagine if like if it was drew or chris and they're running a pick and roll and you've got Brooke and Giannis go out and you set a pair of screens like it's it's never one screen with the Hawks you've always got two screens they're always making sure they're working mismatch and they're getting Trey true to get a proper look it's like if you could do that the options the books that have come off it would be great but Giannis does not set very hard screens like that very often 
Brook, not necessarily the the area of his game where he tries. So that's one area. But yeah, you're right. The the help being a little bit more kind of restrained is an interesting call. I don't know. This is a weird game with, with how it started. And I, I think there was maybe a fear factor of some of what could go wrong and help for the Bucks is always something that can go wrong for as much as it can win them games and they execute it correctly. If they're down 15, it's, it's the kind of moment where it can get pretty dicey if they're really relying on their help and then often over helping. But I, I think they generally struck the right balance. And it was one of those games like try and make six triples, but some of those shots are turnovers. You know, some of those yeah. shots are just straight turnovers. You accept the one with his foot on like the half court Hawks logo because he had two more pretty soon after that, which are just they're turnovers. Like, what were his actual turnovers? Uh, four turnovers. And I'd say add in at least four of his shots that might as well have been turnovers. Yeah, I think the I think the help defense was probably reactionary in terms of like you had to tone it down because the other Hawks were getting involved. Like in that first quarter, you had Kevin Herter, John Collins, Bogdan, all hitting threes in addition to Trey Young. That's the formula for losing to the Atlanta Hawks is when everyone else is hitting threes and it's not just Trey Young killing you in pick and roll. So they they made the right decision to be like, okay, we're flashing help. And we're just letting other guys get involved. We can't do that anymore. Let's go back to making life difficult for Trey and staying home on everyone else. I thought that was a calculated decision and probably the right one. Well, it was the right one. They ended up winning the game. There you go. Um, Yeah, I think I would agree. Uh, I have one more question. and I think I'm out of things to talk about. We all agree that the Forbes experience has been. No, no, Ty. We didn't talk about Giannis. <laughs> You're right. Adam called it out, and we I called I called it out, and I was like, "No, no, we need to talk about Bobby and Pat." Like, he was well, too busy arguing for Pat's jersey to be hanging for the rafters that he forgot about, like the guy, the the person who will finally get 34 retired. For so long, they've just been afraid to. They're like, "We can't retire, or we'll have to retire for everyone." And now it's like, "Yeah, okay, it's been retired." God, can true. I actually lead into this? Just a quote that I find it really amusing. Uh, yeah, so Giannis, I see Malik Andrews tweet this out here. Giannis, full of praise for Chris Middleton's fourth quarter, says he and Chris were chatting about how long they planned to play for. Giannis said he told Chris, the day you retire is going to be the toughest day of my career. He's special for a reason, and he showed it tonight. Lovely, lovely oh, stuff. What age worry. does Giannis take Chris is, though? <laughs> <laughs> I know he, he looks and plays like he's already, like, 34, but... Somebody tell Giannis, no, actually, like, I think it's important we make it clear, you know, this thing can go longer than you think, you know, it's not time to break the core up yet. What the is expiry the date isn't like already three, there? Three years, yeah, it's it's three, like, like Chris is 29. <laughs> I just saw that and I was like, today you retire. How does Chris react to that? It's lovely sentiment, it, but it's like, okay, and he's like, you know what, Chris, like. Maybe you're not the best shape. <laughs> like maybe, it'll be a, maybe it'll be a little lower of a career. Chris is going to be around when he's like 38, too. Well, you just you know, know Chris is going to be playing like 10 minutes a game on one leg, making mid-range jumpers over people. I, you know, Dirk it, Nowitzki. 
You know where it probably comes, where the quote probably comes from? It probably comes from Giannis, like being a cyborg and planning to play until he's like 45. And just assuming that at some point in there, Chris is going to retire before he is 48 years old. Um, that's a great quote. That's hilarious. Uh, it's very yeah, heartwarming, though. It sure is. Like, like one, just take, I mean, the idea out, that, yeah. yeah, one, they're still playing together, two, you know, Giannis is still a book. When Chris retires, all this sounds great to me, you know. But they want to have a legacy here together. Like, they want to be the pillars of this franchise. They're going they're about the right so way. Getting closer they, every They're game. doing it. They're yeah. doing it. Yeah. They, like they're maybe a month from away from this whole franchise being like on their shoulders in terms of its history. Yeah, yeah I don't think anyone's going to retire me on those two jersey retire. Or, no, anyone's going to paddle me on those two jersey retirements. <laughs> you might have no, we'll, we'll let you have um, Chris and Giannis along with Pat, I suppose. So, can we actually? I just yeah, want to unpack this a little bit. No, we'll do that in a second. Oh, I gotta always we? leave it a little bit more. Yeah, sure. Um, who else gets the jersey retired in this hypothetical scenario? I just want to know what's the cutoff that's leading you to be proclaiming after game three of the conference. That might finals. be one of four guys, honestly. Four guys. From if it'd be those two, Pat, yeah. I think Brooke Lopez pretty easily. Absolutely Brooke Lopez. Drew has no shot. I didn't say he has no shot. I said but you're that just might Pat up there. be one of four guys. I, I don't, it's possible, you know, if things go well, I just, it's, I was interested to see how that extended out. For, for their respective stations, I think Pat has done extraordinarily well, and I think Drew has been okay. What about Ursan? Do we retire seven or seven? Can we seven? talk about the two-time MVP? My goodness. <laughs> I think you retire 777 for Ursan to pay tribute to both. I like it. Yeah. I'm going to lose my mind. Yeah, right, I'll talk about Giannis. Let's talk about that other guy who's seriously going to get retired. Part of the 71 piece from the two Bucks franchise players, Giannis puts up 33 points, 11 rebounds, four assists, two steals, one block, 13 of 21 from the field, one of two from deep, six of 13 from free throw. Uh, uh, a, a great game. It didn't feel as bad as that. I'm surprised to read that. At one point. I think he missed well, like three he in a row or t- four in a row. He definitely missed two in a row. He missed yeah. two to start. Yeah. I think it started worse than it ended uh, for Giannis from free throw. But outside of that, um, and there the was six mates ball. were all swishes. <laughs> yeah. It's air, we're, we're getting closer to air ball or swish. And honestly, I'm fine with that if the percentage is better than 50 something. But it, again, it's one of these games where like he looks more comfortable controlling a game as this playoff run goes. You can tell he knows what he has to do. I think I didn't like some of the early fourth quarter possessions, but on a whole, I thought he was smart about how he attacked. He managed to avoid help when it did come. A lot of the times Atlanta just doesn't send help, which is just not something you can do when Giannis is isolated on John Collins or even Clint Capella for that matter. I mean, no one on the roster can hold him one-on-one. It's just like who can do a better job of it. But he knew that. He played like that. Didn't settle for too many jumpers. Made a lot of the ones he did, which shows you he was taking them in good spots. Just thought it was a great game. I thought he kept putting in that work down low that the Bucks needed to put in. I think there's times we would see the Bucks resort to too many jumpers in games like this, and they didn't in this game. And a lot of that was Giannis refusing to settle and getting the sure points time after time. It was the decision-making. It was the control. 
that's really what's starting to set mm-hmm. him apart in this postseason and show that he is very, very capable of controlling a playoff game. That's that's what we've talked about, even like throughout this postseason. It's like the Bucks like need Giannis to be that guy, that kind of guy who can control a game like a LeBron, like a Kevin Durant, like a Kawhi Leonard. You need to be able to control the pace of the game. That's what Giannis was doing today. He was picking his spots methodically. Every time it was just John Collins matched on him, he was going right to the rim. Every time Capello was on him, he was just trying to go around him, maneuver around him. And then, like you mentioned, Ty, just getting guys in right spots if the help came. And even during the stretch run, when Chris Middleton was absolutely going bananas, without any hesitation, he was going out there. Even if he's bringing the ball up the court, he's immediately flowing into screens for Chris Middleton, making sure he's getting involved because he's the hot hand at the time. Every single decision, obviously not every single decision, that's impossible, but the majority of the decisions that Giannis made tonight were impeccable. And it it was an incredible performance to witness. Like, not only is Bobby Portis' game getting overshadowed by Chris Middleton, Giannis is getting overshadowed by Chris Middleton because this is one of the best Giannis games I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. I agree completely. I think he's maturing in front of our eyes in these playoffs. And I kind of mean that in this kind of weird, in a literal way. Like there was a point in this game where he's on screen. I was like, man, he doesn't look like a kid anymore. You know, it's, it's just the whole way he carries himself. It's, I feel like he just knows when to take a deep breath and slow things down where in the past it would just be like, oh, I'm going to go, I'm going to go again. And then ball would come loose off his foot. He'd be on the ground instead of play, you know, turnover. There's the something maker experience. Oh, well, that's, that would be pushing it too far. Let's the, the honest experience has never been. I think, no, Tom's I think Tom was watching. I hope so. I think he's been watching. He's been tweeting about the games as well. Tigo open the Raptors anyway. That's for the, that's for the offseason. I mean, I, Pat has a chance. <laughs> I I do think there is still there's a couple of jump shots. Like the the first one he missed was really. It's like why are you taking that at that point? The the triple he made with the kind of funky handle that like Chris nearly just bowled him over. Chris had no idea what he was doing. But it didn't look like something that was really kind of tailor made to get Giannis into a nice rhythm. But hey, it did great. I just think someone like John Collins, who is has got size, has got some strength, he's got some athleticism. He's not like he's not the the prototype Giannis defender that we would have built over the years. But he is someone who has a lot of tools that you're like, if he plays smart, if he's disciplined, he could bother him. Nope. Not anymore. <laughs> like, that's just a thing of the past. I, I don't know who can bother him now. Like, his last, what, 10 games at this point in the in the postseason are just pointing to that. It's it's past that, that time, you know? It's really about, okay, well, what can his teammates do? Because even, like, opposing fans, referees, every journalist at a certain publication, you know, they can't, do anything anymore they honestly cannot do anything he has just been completely unshaken by everything that the nets threw at him now that the hawks are throwing at him it's a really big deal that he's having a a great game every night perhaps without like just that one burst like chris had in the fourth quarter to be like oh there you go that's a signature game for him he sealed it this way 
he's just kind of doing his own version of that every he night. That it, it gets lost quarter. in the shuffle because of it. Yeah, that's yeah. true. Yeah, but it, it gets lost in the shuffle when really it's it's the thing driving the books. It's the thing that all the other stars at home on their couches, they can't do. They can't do, they couldn't do, and they're gonna they're gonna be sulking for years to come over how long it takes him to take his free throws or whatever it might be, because he's just he has matured and he's not going anywhere. Doubts I had about Giannis and his mentality in terms of you know driving a team on at this point in the playoffs just a few weeks ago, they're gone. And I honestly couldn't have imagined them being answered as emphatically as he has. He just looks like a different guy, and I couldn't be more impressed. Like, look at all the ways he's improved. Look at all of the growth we've seen over the years. And yet, here we are. He's still biggest games, biggest moments here. Like, oh, look, he's better than ever. This is his ninth 30-10 game of the playoffs. You don't know how many uh, people have done that uh, since 1963 in the postseason? Single single postseason. Uh, the names are Wilt Chamberlain, Shaquille O'Neal, Hakeem Olajuwon, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, Giannis Antetokounmpo. Wow. So Giannis being at an all-time great center is something that we still need to consider there. I think it's just happened. Um, I think Giannis well, is just it, an all-time great. I well, we know we know that much, but I I do think this postseason is revealing some interesting stuff positionally. And as the books build their roster out over time, and as you know, decisions are made and the roster evolves. I'm like Brooke is not getting any younger. I think there's there's some things that are going to be fun to see how they handle it and could even unlock some new new elements for the books going forward. Yeah, hopefully Giannis doesn't have one of those day he retires quotes about like PJ or Brooke. That, then I'll start to get a little more nervous. Chris, like, that, that would like be uncomfortable, year. yeah. <laughs> like Jason Terry a couple of years ago. <laughs> it's going to be tough for me when you retire, Chad. Corver hasn't technically retired yet, so oh, if he wants to say to a Marvin Carver, Williams last season, um, he actually retired. <laughs> that yeah, caught us off guard. Um uh, yeah, Ty and I reacted to that live, and it was kind of sad. It was eight years to the day after Giannis was drafted. Uh, he yep. puts up this this incredible performance, and thinking about how far he's come in those eight years, and like you mentioned, Adam, how far he has to go is uh, very inspiring. Not yet twenty seven years old, Giannis Antetokounmpo. Since the first round, Miami played him quite well, and the Bucks just had a lot of other things going. He has not scored thirty in just two games. One was the blowout. Game two over Atlanta. The other was the Nets game that he got absolutely killed for afterward. But every other game from the second round onward, he has scored at least 30 points. So one was he just didn't play for garbage time. One was a Brooklyn game where he didn't play well. Um, Just consistently great. I think I, I thought to look that up because I was thinking it was so nice to see another Giannis and Chris game like game six against Brooklyn it's like it's wholly dependent on the other guy for it to be a Giannis and somebody game. Cause Giannis is always there. Giannis is always ready to be part of a 70 plus point combined performance. Like every single night, literally with the exception of one night, we'll go the up there and try to series. do it himself. Also that, but he's, he's putting up 30 literally every single game. Like it just happens 30 and 10, nine times. Like, and I don't think any of those were first round, maybe one again, Miami still did a good job and the bucks just had a lot of other things going on, but remember just, Prince Forbes. That looks great. Great segue. Last thing I think we have for this show. We all agree. It's been bad. 
Do yeah. you stop giving him chances? And if so, do you let someone else try to play in those five to ten other guard minutes? Because I don't know if you can go a seven-man rotation at most until you probably inevitably cut to just six when Bobby gets excised, especially in the next series. But uh, I think I don't you think pro- the Clippers will play Bobby off the floor. <laughs> I don't think they oh, would boy, either. Boy. I don't think they would either. But um, but the Forbes question. I mean, he's playing seven minutes. So how much can they cut? How much where can they find spots? Like my instinct to that was, like maybe you can give him four minutes in the first quarter, four minutes in the third quarter. And I looked and I was like, oh, that would be one more minute than he got today. But he played way too many minutes. So yeah, that's what I'm saying. So, do you try someone else? Do you guys? Well, there isn't anyone else. No. Plus, it's he has the I, biggest I upside. He has the biggest upside because, like, he has the potential to just catch absolute fire, and we've seen it this postseason. Like I said, against Miami, this big part of it felt like it was eight years ago. It does. It really does. I wonder if Brent Forbes remembers that series. He does not. Evidently, uh, he should have done like a. Davis Bertans for the bubble and like you know opted Opt out up. after the first round be like I'm going to free agency <laughs> we would have been so mad at the time and we should I mean, hindsight it might be yeah. for the best for all parties so um, the, the thing is it is possible that his moments could still be to come and they could still come in the finals but it is, it is painful and it's again it's like it's going to the thing I said about Bobby earlier, but it is times like five to 10 for Bryn. It's like chasing the Bryn game or chasing the hope that what he's going to give you as a positive might just tip you over the edge. You could be sunk by what he's doing on the opposite end. It's, I, still it's hate, really tough. I still hate the play they run for him so much. I despise the play they run where he just runs around Giannis and sh- like, I don't know the last time he's made it's it. It's the off Kyle Corver play, and but not many sucks. players are good at it other than Kyle Corver. Like, uh, Forbes is not Forbes is not bad at it, but no, he, he kind was of, better at it than Kyle Corver the last couple of years. Well, better at it than like thirty nine year old yeah. Kyle Corver, yeah, yeah, which yes. is <laughs> which is fair. Um, like Bryn is like what half his age? He's twenty. How old is Bryn Forbes? But he's I not. Honestly, he's no twenty. Idea. Well, maybe he's one of these sneaky old players. Maybe he's, he's twenty seven. I wouldn't have guessed that. He'd be retiring before Giannis too. Um, <laughs> yes, but he kind of comes into the shot when it's good. It's in a really, it's in a really weird pronounced way. Where you're like, I don't know if you noticed, or say if he if he's curling from the left wing round and Giannis has a handoff ready for him. It's like he needs to almost be turning his body away back to the left wing, like kicking his leg out. He has a really peculiar way of coming onto the shot that I haven't seen in another shooter quite as good as him, although I'm not sure quite as good as him. My reservation with, with Forbes for the season was always how good is he? How good is he going to be in the playoffs? That was my concern. And right now, he's not good enough to stay on the floor. I think you pretty much have to treat it at least in earlier games in series like this game. I mean, a little less than seven minutes probably, but give him a little run. I just wish they wouldn't force it so much. I would rather see him screen for Giannis than Giannis pass a dribble handoff to him. Like, I think him popping and being set and ready to shoot is a lot more effective than him doing the curl around three, but... I, I I agree. I think there's no one else that you, you can't not Teague anyone but Teague. That's well, look, Teague game Teague. happened last game. <laughs> this yeah. isn't this isn't how it works. But 
if we just take this game as an example, if you look at the minutes, Brooke played 25 minutes, Bobby played, played 17, Pop played 32. You can you can make your seven minutes work between those three guys, no problem at all. Pretty yeah. easily. That's really what you should do, I think, when it's broken down like that. Pack and pack and play heavy minutes too. The problem is just, and we've talked about this now kind of ad nauseum, it's you don't want Pat at the two. Pat can play really good at the three or the four. At the two, it's a problem. You've no one you can play at the two. So yeah, it's the, the guards is what's that's that's it's the what's weakness killing of this them. roster. It's what's killing them. It's it's Dante's it's, it's Dante, injury yeah. and it's the roster it's, building it's beyond than, that. It's yeah, it's not just there's no one else. If you had a backup point guard, then you work it out much easier. The the DJ fact is you, you don't. No, well, they, they you, never you had they a good never, verse to him. Sure, <laughs> they never had a two-way backup guard at any point, and it's like a brutal loss right now. Like it could have been a one or a two with all the playmakers. It doesn't matter, but you needed one of those guys. They just they they never had one. I mean, people are still mad about the Tory Craig thing. He certainly was not a, a guard. I don't think anyone. Would no, say he he Why? would also people forgot about that. I don't think but, so. He's but, playing for the other team that they're probably going to see. I haven't I don't think seen anyone, the discourse. Whatever. But the thing no. is, he wouldn't have solved the problem. No, he I exactly. solved the problem. It's it's, it's a and positional. If they thing. if they bought into that enough, maybe they don't go and get PJ Tucker, who is just infinitely better. Yeah. Uh, hundred hundred thousand percent. Um, but yeah, that's, I'm gonna that's just a... one thing on that though. I mean, I've been basically like, what is it now? Six, seven years, seven years. Probably Giannis is eight years drafted today since I've started covering the books. And every year the draft comes around, and I just I feel like I beg. I'm only short of like weeping into a microphone. Just like, please take a point guard, take a point guard. And every year they they just won't do it. They won't do it. Sometimes they even look into players like Malcolm Brogdon, who can kind of be point guards. And you're like, okay, you've done it. You've got one. And then, no, that doesn't happen. It doesn't work. He's gone. Just please, Bucks, if you keep the pick this year, just get a, just get a backup point guard, someone you can develop for a couple of years because they just keep ignoring it as if it doesn't matter. And this team desperately needs anyone who's just like, you know, responsible with the ball. It's it doesn't first, ask for much. Well, they, do have, they do have a high second rounder this year, and with second rounders, they like to take guards. First, this is all Sam Merrill erasure. Second, Ooh, that's for another time. Second, the high second round pick is going to be the center pay, centerpiece in the Damian Lillard trade. Obviously, <laughs> guys, this is yeah. another thing. I don't know if we talked about this on air or off air last time, but after this Bucks playoff run, like we've missed so much general NBA news oh, yeah. we usually would have covered. If we weren't so busy with all of this, Waves Arms, we're going to do a podcast after this where we just go through and react to everything like in chronological order that we missed reacting to. So that'll be fun. So we'll we'll get to this Portland mess and Dame stuff way, way later. Hopefully way, way later. Uh, late July, early August podcast. With cigars in our mouths and rings on our fingers. Exactly. We're getting rings. Yeah, we're gonna have those like uh, yeah, we're ski to... goggles too. I hear Ty's got a contact. <laughs> oh, big time Ty! Yeah, if Ty's only. gonna get us into the locker room for the celebration. <laughs> <laughs> um, I would not. Uh, I would not bet on that. But also, I wouldn't listen to anything I say. I would bet on because every time I try to give a Bucks gambling tip, it goes horrible. So maybe that will happen by that law. Who knows? I don't think there are odds for that. <laughs> 
It's a lot of online books these days, Rohan. You never know. Whether we get into the Basically, all, what Ty said there is don't bet against big time Ty. Just yep. never, <laughs> never rule out big time Ty. That's what I heard him say. I if I think if I confirm or deny, then it gets a really twisted. You guys can't see this, but Ty is currently replaying what he said in his head right now, trying to figure out if he's right. And I'm trying to think if I'm cornered or not. I think I am. I don't know. I don't have anything else. The end of these. Why you can't see it right now, but Ty is like Dame Lillard. He's just he's tapping at his watch and he's saying big <laughs> <Yeah>. time. <laughs> Why are these games all starting at 7:30 Central? I know Adam hates this. I really don't know. I'm getting better because yeah. my my body cock is broken. And I feel I, you know, maybe have too much energy tonight. Maybe it's maybe it's at the point of uh, breaking yeah. me. But why? Why? Welcome. Why? Eight thirty local Atlanta. tip is terrible. Like it does not make any sense. I think it's just kowtowing to the West Coast. But like the game is in Atlanta. At least make it seven thirty Atlanta. Well, people time. like look at the bring like young kids to a game, which I'm sure there is. And it's like, oh yeah, the game starts at eight thirty yeah. and. You know, if we get overtime, it's going to be 11 30. It's, it's very strange. It doesn't make a whole lot of sense. It's terrible. I don't like it at all. I, I didn't. Sorry to you and everyone in, in Europe and other places. I didn't Thanks, want sorry. didn't want afternoon tips. Apology accepted. Yeah. But like a 630, if it's a if it's a game on the East Coast, I would have. I'm fine with that. six 630. I mean, I do think there's, you know, stop catering for the West Coast for you know, Eastern series, you know, let the people in Atlanta have a, everything. have a 7 p.m. <laughs> Eastern start. Like that seems perfectly reasonable. You get to the conference it. finals, you get one for your own time zone. What a bold idea. Like a, a game? Yeah, one, one, game. one, you know, you get home court. How about you get to start one game at a time that isn't, you know, uh, even for players, like preparing for an 8.30 start. That's weird. That's a long day. The Bucks are going to have a finals game in Milwaukee start at 9 p.m. because they had to bump it back for oh, a Woj low pod or something. Well, everything does go back another 30 minutes for the finals, right? I think that the projected times yeah, are all super I'm, late. I'm almost certain everything goes back to 2 a.m. my time. So that's, that's 8, 8 p.m. Central. You might just want to start waking up for those. I just won't be going to sleep at all. Yeah, that works too. Dedication to the grind. I don't think it does work, Ty. But. <laughs> <laughs> works for forks four to seven times at most. I've heard. We'll see what happens. You guys aren't weaseling out of this. Give me a score prediction for game four. Oh my oh, god! I hate Still. it so much. Oh, to always bring the mood down. Um, one thirteen, one oh two. That's the score of this game, Ty. I know, I'm protesting. You're just looking just at the gonna, box I'm just going to start, I'm just gonna start do doing the same thing. I'm going to start doing, I'm doing this to him every single time. This is my way of protesting having to do this. I think it'll be six, four books. That's what <laughs> my break straw. Could you imagine the coverage of that game? <laughs> That's a free Charles, right? I was gonna say, <laughs> is that Giannis and Clint? wouldn't be about Capella the defense getting... or yeah. the offense. It would just be the free Charles. I think that's how that would happen is Giannis and Clint Capella just keep getting hacked. Well, that's not fair to Giannis. If that if that that's game true. plays out, the Bucks win like 80 to 0. Um <laughs> Clint Capella cannot like I don't maybe know how one. maybe he'll get one. I my real prediction is Thank you. 110 90. 11090. I'm assuming uh, we're, these we're are all favorable. thinking the Bucks. It's we're... always the Bucks. Well, it's not always the Bucks, but it is in this series. I yeah. I mean, personally, 
put a fork in this. This is yeah. This is I, I think it's yeah. One fifteen. Tonight was big. Like tonight was one where the Hawks will wake up tomorrow and be like, "Yeah, we really needed to we get blew that this. One. We blew yeah. this. Realistically, like they had the shooting going for them early on. They had everything they could want going on for them. But Chris Middleton, baby, he helped bring it home. Giannis was there as well. Bobby Portis, the entire team. Maybe, maybe not Drew Holiday on the offensive end, but, you know, we covered this all. And this is a great place to wrap it up and say thank you for listening to this Eurostep Podcast Network post-game three, I almost said four, episode Eurostep win in six collaboration. If you did enjoy the show, make sure you leave a five-star rating on your podcast platform of choice. And Ty, can you give us one of the five-star ratings that we have? I can. I can indeed. I'm glad. I thought we had lost this, but we're right back to it. We've got Heaven's Mana, who left a five-star review. The subject line, keeps me in the game when I can't be. Probably shouldn't be always in the game, but that's what we're for. That I added that part. That was not part of the review. The review says, love the pod, guys. Makes me feel engaged with the Bucks, even though my schedule doesn't allow me to watch anywhere near as many games as I'd like to. Keep it up. Thank you. We will. Whether it's for the best for us or not, we will. We'll keep I'm up till 5.30 a.m. so you don't have to. Exactly. Yes, we will do whatever we need to do to give you guys the best content, whether it's compromising actual REM sleep cycle, whether it's compromising sanity, whether it's compromising our ability to go to games. We will do whatever possible. So make sure you keep leaving those five-star ratings so we could potentially read it out on the next episode. Uh, but yeah, thank you again for listening. Make sure you're subscribed on your podcast platform of choice. Tell everyone you can about the show. Stay safe, everyone. Go Bucks, And we will talk to you next time.